Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson... And Joe Dante. Yeah. Oh, so wait, that makes you feel great because the French are supposedly the erudite ones. What do they say when they're saying your name? I don't know. It's super. It's super confusing. <laughs> it's super. It's up. I have. Oh, it's me. I have to. I take some time to realize they are calling me. Oh, like, yeah. So you're sitting there. They're saying and you, that's hilarious. Well, something more. Anita Rocha da Silveira. The Silveira become a Silveira. So it's uh, wonderful. So I don't feel so bad when I mangle this a bit, but uh, well, that's right. We can we can we can dub in her actual right. reading of it into yep. you. I can slow it down, make it sound like my voice, and then drop it in when I say our guest is Anita Rocha da Silveira. Ah, very nice. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, it. Who is a writer and director of a new film, Medusa, which is opening July 29th uh, at the Angelica in New York and the Lemley NoHo in Alamo Draft House in LA. And um, should I should I disclose how I saw this film, Joe? Is that uh... how you saw it? So in, in, in your in your in your house. I, I feel like all we do anymore is well, yes, I did. I did watch it on my house, a very large screen. Um, we have got a uh, a new infant here, Anita, and um, uh, sometimes he doesn't. He wakes up at about two o'clock in the morning. Sometimes and can't go to sleep, and I will sort of go off and uh, watch things with him, and uh, he'll slowly fall asleep. And he fell asleep. Forgive him. He's seven weeks old. He fell asleep about twenty-five minutes into Medusa. Uh, I, however, made it all the way through and uh, was oh, right. very, <laughs> um, I loved it. And I'm, I'm afraid I almost, I was about, I was about to call it something. And I wonder if you even, I was about to call it a horror film, but it's not really a horror film, but I bet you get that a lot, right? Do you get that a lot? Yeah, no, it's very complicated. When the film was going to be launched, the, the sales company said, okay, you have to define a genre. Like the festivals ask, what the genre people ask? So they went with horror. But for me, it's more like a multi-genre film. Yeah. Uh, even when I was in the script writing process, when I was trying to finance, the feedback with people saying no was that you have to pick one genre. And I'll say, no, it's my intention to use more than one genre. So, yeah, for me, it's very difficult to say it's a horror, it's this, it's that. My, but when we, have, when we have to pick one, we pick the horror. But for me, it's a horror comedy, musical fantasy. I like to say coming of age film. Call it a coming of yeah, age. Yeah, that's film. good. They always, yeah, they that's always awesome. go for, they always go for that. They go for coming of age. A horror a, comedy, musical coming of age fantasy film. So. It's an extremely well made movie, and it's got yes. uh, one of the best uses of widescreen I've seen in a long time. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'd also a little bit David Lynchian in a number of places. Yeah. I'm uh, a for, big Lynch fan. <laughs> yeah, you can tell Go because when, whenever they sing, it's just like David Lynch stage. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Good point. Oh, my God. Especially that one. Well, there is what. Yeah. Okay. Enough said. I don't want to give anything away. Um, but yeah, it's, that's it's a, it's a girl gang movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a girl gang movie. You know, like Switchblade of. Sisters, kind yeah, of. Sort of, in a sort of the same genre. But uh, yeah. now, do do you have any particular uh, evangelical um, issues uh, <laughs> in your life? <laughs> oh, I'm in Brazil, so here, yeah, they are taking the power. They are electing a lot of people to the Congress. But for Medusa, I was inspired by one particular church that's a very big one that also put together an army of God with young boys here in Brazil. Mm. And, uh, and everything the minister says is pretty much inspired by real speeches by ministers from this church. Mm. So I'm talking more about some groups, but uh, I don't have anything against the evangelical community, more against some groups that are electing a lot of politicians here in Brazil and with a speech that's very much sexist, homophobic, and, uh, and that I get also getting a lot of money from the population. So it must be a nice escape to come here where we don't have any of that. <laughs> we have that. We <laughs> certainly do. Yeah. I'm being dry and funny, yeah. I'm afraid. That, that, that passes for being dry and funny with him. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we do have our own issues, but it's a fascinating movie in a lot of respects. The, the ensemble acting is really good. The girls are great. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, but it is, it, it is horrific in, a, in its implications. And uh, it, it's, um, it's scary uh, in that it depicts the way a lot, a lot of people feel about people who aren't like them or don't believe the way they do. Uh, and it's, uh, it's very sober. It, it's, uh, I was very impressed. And of course, I, before, before Josh told me about it, I had never heard of it. So uh, I was, I was very, uh, I felt lucky to be able to see it. Ah, thank you. I'm very honored that you all watch the film and like it. Yeah, no, and and not to, although some people like hopeless. Um, I don't want to ruin anything, but there is there is kind of it's not just hope at the end of the film. It's it's very um, there's a real kind of warmth and humanity to it that uh, I, I somehow I was I was hoping we would get to uh, in it, and and we did because eventually it kind of. Um, it doesn't just expose this kind of horrible dark side of people, but it also exposes a commonality uh, as well. And watching some of these characters come to that place was really, um, I thought, very positive for such a dark yeah, movie. No, I have the first draft of the film, the ending was much more darker, but then things in Brazil start to get much more, I don't say shitter, how to say, worse. Yep, shittier, than yep. I Shitty is fine. Yeah. So I said, no, I, I need to give a, a more optimist ending, a version of a happy ending, something that people will feel more energized leaving the movie theaters. And then I, and then I, uh, I made up this ending that's now the one in the film. That's also another part of the Medusa myth. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it was important that people didn't leave the movie theater depressed. Or yeah. Yeah. To people to leave the movie theater with some fighting energy wanting to scream and to uh, make the world better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, I, and I think you succeeded. Um, but so I, I was very excited to watch the film and then very excited to get you on the show and find out kind of uh, what, what, um, what kind of movies uh, you had stuffed into your head along the way of, you know, your own journey to become a filmmaker and what kind of movies excited you and inspired you. And uh, yeah, 
And I have a lot of difficulties doing lists. Oh, the, you know what? nobody, nobody enjoys this. Nobody has no, a good time. I have, there are people that every, like in the end of the year, put their lists on Instagram, on Facebook, my 10 favorite films of the year and put in the first one, second. I can't do that. So I try to do a, a list more like films, or like worldly. Uh, but then I said, no, it's easy to do a US list because 10 is not, 10 is not so, so much. I need more if I wanted to write a global list. So I made one with the only US film. So I have more focus. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's start with one. Just pick, pick one at random and let's uh, jump in. I, I don't know. For me, it's Blue Velvet. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I, it's a film that I watched in a very young age by accident. It was very important. <laughs> okay, wait. What was the accident? How, how do you watch Blue Velvet by accident? In the 90s, there was this gossipy uh, magazine that once a month would become a VHS tape together. And my parents were collecting the VHS tapes. It was all kinds of movies, more commercial. And one of them was Blue Velvet. So it was a tape that was in my living room, in the house that I used to live with my parents. So I was around nine years old. And one day I got this tape. I said, oh, a detective story. And I put it in the VHS and I start to watch it. And I watched like multiple times until I got it. Nine years <laughs> old? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, so it's a film that impressed me in a very young age. And I have this thing about watching films over and over as a kid. Like if I like a film, or even if I didn't understand and I wanted to understand, I would watch like 10, 15 times until I understood the movie. And so Blue Velvet, I watched a lot of times, around nine, 10 year old, until I got some sense of the film. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't scare you away? No, no, I was more like fascinated by that universe. Wow. Yeah, and then I, I become a big David Lynch fan after that. And and what is your kind of what's your what's your feeling about it now? I mean, when you when you sort of think about that film, what is it that speaks to you? Uh, no, I still love the film. Uh, I don't know. I like this. What I like about David Lynch, not only in Blue Velvet, but the way that he talks about society and the, he criticizes the American dream and everything, but in a way that's. That is always surprising you. Uh, is I don't know. You when I st stop to think about, I think all his scripts are more classical narrative. But you have this idea that everything's very crazy, but it's not. It's a script that makes a lot of sense in the end of the day, at least for me after watching a lot of times. Sure. But has this idea that's always surprising you. And I I, I always love the characters and the cast. They're always a little bit bigger than life and. Uh, and some exaggeration that I really love, that I don't know what's imagination, what's reality. I really like this thing about being in between reality and fantasy that I think Lynch do so well. I really love movies that are, that are not life as it is. That's something between life and fantasy. Right. And, uh, and yeah, and Blue Velvet was, I think, super important for me. That's something that really stayed in my mind. And I and, uh, think that, I think it's the film that's most defined me because I watched it at a very young age <laughs> and stayed with me a lot. What do you, I mean, it's, it's lately, uh, I've, I've run into people and it seems like more, more lately, it sort of gets um, criticized for being, I, I think some people think David Lynch has a, has a bad attitude towards women. 
And, and yet at the same time, I know plenty of women uh, who love his films. And I, to me, it feels yeah, like they're getting lost yeah. in the surface of it. But what's, what's your feeling about? No, it's never occurred to me. Uh, because his female characters are super complex and multi-layered. Yeah. Think about Mulholland Drive. Uh, yeah. The characters are so rich. So for me, what I, when I think that the, uh, there's something against women, it's more when the characters are only one dimension right. or are only there to serve a male character's narrative. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not the case in, in Lynch films at all. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree, but it's just... But the characters are, you know, but the characters are a little bit over the top and it's, and, uh, and, with, and dealing with things that people are not dealing in their day-to-day life. But but I, I'm, I don't know, that's something that's never occurred to me. Really. But, oh, I under, okay. but I know that some people criticize for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, that's cool. I'm still, I'm still, I'm not, I'm going to be thinking about that for a long time. I can't imagine a nine-year-old. And I watched a lot of inappropriate movies when I was young, but a nine-year-old watching Blue Velvet is, um, <laughs> and then wanting to do it again, Joe. Well, maybe they'll, maybe it turned them on to Roy Orbison or something good. <laughs> that's true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Oh wow, that's great. Well, let's 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 talk about another one. What's what's next, Anita? Uh, I don't know. Going a little bit more chronological, sure. I, I put uh, Clueless. That was a big film in the nineties in Brazil. Oh, Clueless. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the, 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 the or Clueless, as we call it. Clueless Deville. Sorry about my English. No, no. The, the name is As Patricinhas de Beverly Hills. It's a very different name in Brazil. Oh, what is that? What does that mean? It would be like the preppy girls of Beverly Hills. Oh, okay. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But we have the word for clueless. That would be a same or sound, but right. that name is another one. And I don't know. It's a, it's a film that uh, I think I watched in the movie theaters, or at least I have this memory in my mind. And uh, I don't know, it was one of the that films that I watched a lot of times in the movie theaters and then in VHS with friends, with female friends. I think it was the first film I realized that was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, <laughs> that I saw, oh, a woman directed, that's funny. <laughs> and then I don't know, there's something that uh, I'm a big Jenny Austen fan. So for me, this is the best Jenny Austen adaptation ever made. I sure. Think a fantastic adaptation of Jenny Austen. <laughs> and uh, it's also a film that's a lot over the top with a lot of exaggerations. I love all the characters. I love this. They have this big, the, this, this, uh, they, they, uh, how to say, the, the, the actors and the actors, they are always a little bit over the top. And, mm. and, but all, they are in the same, the same symphony during the film. So uh, I really love, I'm also a big Brittany Murphy fan. Sure, I yeah. really miss her. So it was her first film. So I don't know, this film had a special place in my heart. As and a film that I watched there... a lot of times with my girlfriends. And has it... been, I think that the first film that was with teenage girls and, yeah. uh, and with not so much complex characters, but at least that all the starry characters were women in this comedy that was very pop. So it was something that was very fun for me to watch. And did, did it translate to you, culture? I mean, did it, did, were like, did you connect with these characters? Were you like, oh, that's yeah, us? Or was course. it like, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Jenny Austen, it's universal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, there are some scenes that I didn't understand. Like that scene, like the father says, everything only takes 20 minutes in LA and things like that. And she going to the valley. And there's some things you don't understand so well, but the right. main narrative yes. can, can get. 
I have to, have you been to LA? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. And, uh, so now, now you, now you get all those. No, that makes sense. Nothing more than twenty minutes, but I'll understand more. Now you get it. Yeah, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Yeah. Um, cool. What? Uh, what next? Uh, I don't know. Let, let me open the list again. And oh, okay. Where do you want me? Yep. Uh, where it, we're we're pretending we don't know. No, I don't know. There's some. There's some musicals. I'm a big musical fan. I'm for sure. Yes, that comes through in the movie. So let me not find the list. There are two musicals that I really love. Uh, Head Big and the Angry Inch that I watched in the movie theater when it was released. Oh uh, yeah, that, that yes. Um, uh, so did that get that kind of theatrical release there? Yeah, we had a theatrical release in Rio de Janeiro, more art house cinemas. I was a young teenager at that point. But I remember watching the movie theaters, mm -hmm. and then I fell in love with the film. I tried to download the soundtrack online, and the uh, and yeah. Now sometimes I don't know. I think the film is from two thousand one. Probably arrived here here like two thousand three or something like that. But it uh, <laughs> it arrived, and then remember downloading the soundtrack, and I love the music. I love that song with the Greek myths and everything. I don't know. It was a film that uh until today, I, I watch sometimes, and uh, I always get a lot emotional. And uh, <laughs> with the film, with the with the characters, I love the song so much. I, I, I when I was doing the list, I thought about putting more musicals, but I think these two that I put uh, both my favorites, Hedwig and all the jazz, all the jazz. I, I love Bob yeah. Fosse so much, and uh, all that jazz again, Joe. Yeah. This keeps coming up, doesn't it? I, I keep waiting for someone. Okay, so Anita, maybe you'll be the one. I'm I'm I don't know what it is. I, that movie just He has a blind spot. I have a blind spot. I'm I'm not that person who goes, I don't like it, so it must be bad. I just I, I know it's a great film. It just I what what we haven't met, so you can't decide, you can't figure out what it is that's not working for me. But what what works for you? What is it that that that, that makes that such a great film to you? Because I I'm hoping to hear it someday. I'm hoping to hear somebody put it in the right way someday that I can go, oh, I get it. But I don't know. Uh, I think there's something very tacky about the film, especially in the scenes with when he's dying and seeing the, the death and things like that. Mm -hmm. But there's also, I love these films about people working in the show business. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, I'm very fascinated about all the scenes about him doing the tests and and taking the medicines and, and editing the movie. Uh, and there are some great songs in the film i don't know there's some great energy but it's very difficult to put in words what fascinates about this film but uh especially since english is not my main language now i'm thinking i'm a little bit lost but uh, no you do great i i don't know is, is um i don't know if it's about the character or about the scenes about people dancing and uh and the music but i don't know it's a film with a lot of great scenes and the uh, and the way the character goes over and over and then and end up dying at the end. It's very, something that as a director, I can relate a bit. You sure. put all that energy into your world and and almost giving a fuck to the rest of your life. And, and maybe maybe it's, and getting a lot of trouble. Do you like the character? I mean, I, I don't need a movie. I don't need to like the character in a movie to like the movie, but I feel like I feel like I'm supposed to like him the film and i just don't i find him so oh, he's like, an I, asshole yeah he's a massive I don't know asshole. What is it's like a board 
But that's it's why. Not, but that's why it's such. It's that's why it's such a great movie because it's autobiographical. Right. I mean, for this guy to make a movie about himself that was so honest, even including his old relationships and his failed, his failed, all failed relationships. Uh, but he was also a genius. So right. uh, it, it's it's a just and then you know and death was like always over his shoulder. It was because otherwise he wouldn't be taking all those pills. Yeah, I just feel like I'm he he ultimately wants me to like him for that. Does that make sense? You mean the actor does or the or the director? No, 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 Fosse. I think Fosse's like, look at me, look how look how great I am for showing you what an asshole I am. And I'm sitting there going, No, you're an asshole. I don't know. Maybe it's <laughs> it's me, it's me. I know it's me. I just um but when you talk about the music um in, in that in Hedwig, uh there there's a lot of great music um in your film. And I know I spent a lot of the time, do you, you know, the app Shazam on your phone where you're trying to like, uh, it listens to music and it digitally will find out where it is. And most of the songs, none of them came up. So I'm like, um, did you record those songs for the movie? Yeah, some, uh, for example, Baby It's You that enters free time in the film. We yeah. record a version for the film, especially. Okay, uh, I, I love those. Those were fantastic. Yeah, first, because uh, paying the two rights were very expensive. Yep. So, but then, off of the case, yes. so that was a way to make it cheaper because the, the budget of the film was not was more like a low budget, and also to give like um, uh, I don't know to put our face and uh, to put yep. our touch, uh, and so I, I so uh, and some of the other songs we also re-record for the film, like um, and also uh, the the songs of the go cry the go choir. Uh, uh, they are versions of other songs. Mm -hmm. The one in the beginning, and they yeah, I, I spotted House of the Rising Sun. Yeah, House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> yeah, that's public domain. That's yeah, what's great exactly. about House of the Rising Sun. It's public domain. So we, we didn't have much money. So okay, like for me, it was very important to find a song that people would somehow identify, so they would feel something more comfortable and and like close to home. And then I, I was researching public domain songs, and I ended up with House of the Rising Sun. And the other one is a pop Brazilian songs from the 90s that I, I did a version. Uh, some other songs uh, were composed for the film. The more, the more, how to say, the, then we've not, the songs more to give the climate. And uh, yeah, some others, we, there's some Brazilian songs also that I really love. The one in the party, that's, yeah. a, very, that's a very famous pop song here called Uma Noite Meia. We also used the Sue and the Banshee song that was super yeah. cheap. That oh, was really? Well, yeah. That's depressing. I mean, it's great, but it's sad to hear. She's uh... no, 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 not super cheap, but it was a great price. It was a wondrous price because we okay. didn't have much. Most of this, a lot of songs that I wanted in the film, we couldn't afford. So I was like, I was working with someone that was checking with the labels. And like, right. I was with a lot of options and seeing what was in the budget and what what was not. Yeah. And. And some of the recording labels, they give special prices considering we are Brazilians working for low-budget film. Right. But some right. just don't. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, because the, the music in the film is is really, really good. Um, I mean, all of it. It's uh, it's it's yeah, no, I, I, I'm trying to put together a film that would be more like a musical as my next project. Oh great. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still in an early stage of developing. I don't know if you at the end will be a musical or not, but uh I don't know, I'm a big musical fan, and I at least want to do a, a scene in this next project that would be more classical musical, 
with maybe some dancing and choreography, a little bit more explicit. I don't know. I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. Really, how, how many, uh, I can't think of too many, again, not that it's strictly a horror film, but Joe, musical horror films? I mean, outside of, um, you know, what? Yeah, incredibly, incredibly, horror horror. incredibly strange mixed up zombies. Uh, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> There no, I only think about Hawk Horror Picture Show. I think it's the only Rocky one. Horror. That's yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, Edgar's movie last year had some uh, some elements yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fantastic. Well, let's let's talk about another movie. What's um, what's next there on your list? Oh, let me. I can feed them too if you want. I'm just oh, pretending okay. I don't have the list. Actually, could we talk about let's let's talk about Carrie? I'd love to hear you. I mean, because that. As soon as I saw that on your list, I was like, of course, yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, Carrie is a big inspiration, not only for Medusa, but also for my first feature. Uh, not only this narrative, but also aesthetically. Mm -hmm. I think for Medusa, both films that were big inspiration visually was Suspiria by Dario Argento. Mm -hmm. And think about the US title was Carrie. I don't know. I think there's, it's a, I don't know, it's a very, I think it's one of my favorite horror films. First, because it, we know that something will happen to her, but we are at least happy that she's killing everybody at the end. But in the end, like, yeah, they deserve that. Fuck them. Yeah. Like, like, to be fair, they do have it coming. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're happy when everybody's being killed. Yeah. Let's do that. Because yeah, but I, 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 was always I, I was always disappointed that the nice teacher, the teacher was nice to her, also got cut in half. Yeah. The collateral damage. <laughs> that's right um, yeah, you... that talk about religion what religion can and the morality yeah. how can they, they can harm someone so that's a theme that's close the one that approaching medusa and it's interesting because those are both really kind of vivacious and colorful and very stylish directors um and you know it's one of the things too i realized and this is i had not thought about this before but Pretty much the, from the opening of your film, you're using a color palette uh, that that is is definitely rem reminiscent of you know Argento and, and Giallo in general. And I was wondering, like, what is it about that color palette that makes you immediately think this is a horror film? Because that's that's where I went. I was like, oh, I'm watching a horror film. By the time I get to the end, I'm like, I'm not sure if that's a horror film. But well, and, and also the color changes depending on the uh, the emotions. Of that's the, true of too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes within the shot. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, the color changes. For us doing Medusa, me and the DP that I work together since my shorts, João. Um, in, 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 our, in my first feature, Can We Please, that was also his first feature, we didn't use color on sets. I think we were a little bit afraid. We, are, we shot everything mm -hmm. a little bit more flat. And then when we're doing the color grading, we were like, we're putting color, a lot of color in color grading. It was like, we were both cowards. We should have committed with colors on sets. Why <laughs> the films that we love, they use colors. Why we're such a cowards to not put color on sets. And since the beginning for Medusa, we were saying, now let's commit with both colors that put on sets. Let's get inspired by this filmmaker from the 70s and 80s that we love. We made a big effort to get anamorphic lenses. Mm -hmm. so you have that look also. Yeah. And so, and for me, the, since the beginning, both of the most important colors in Medusa was the red that reminded me of snakes, Medusa, nature, right. and the red that's life, that's blood, and that's a horror, and the horror element. And they also complementary opposite colors. I don't know how to say in English. Red mm -hmm. and yeah, red and yep. And, but then there's a film with a lot of blue, with a lot of 
pink, a lot of purple, a lot of colors in the middle. But yeah, we, we use a lot of colors on sets. And for me, it was very important to construct this look, like it's in Carrie, that's very different from the life at years that we were watching the movie theater and said, oh, nothing, it doesn't look like my like life. It's, I'm seeing something that's, I'm in a parallel universe. It's something right. that, some color that you don't see in the day-to-day -day life. So for me, it's very important to construct a look that's, that's different. That's something yeah. that we're going to the movie theater to see that look. And, uh, and yeah, and so we are there like putting a lot of colors on sets. And there's a lot of phallic symbolism too, particularly with, uh, the, yes. with the snakes. <laughs> yeah, the oh, okay. snakes. The pink snakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Sedusa, what can we do? <laughs> exactly. Well, what is that? Was, was Argento, was that his color palette or was he already sort of jumping onto an existing kind of genre look? Well, I mean, he's, I, I've always felt he owed a debt to Mario Bava, you know, uh, using, using colored gels and, of course, and, of course, and yeah. Blood and Black Lace, which is one of the more amazing color movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and Suspiria is obviously taken from that, I mean, that idea. And, and, it, and then he ran with it. What's interesting is that the remake uh, recently completely yeah. went in the opposite direction and doesn't have any color at all. Yeah, very naturalistic and very strange. No, it's it's very simple to remake. Uh, uh, what I love about the original Suspiria is something that's something that's not committed with taking, don't take itself very serious at all. I think all Argento's film, that's something that don't take itself serious. It's a horror, but you can laugh. And uh, But the recent Suspiria is the opposite. It's a much more serious tone. It's a more earthy palette. And... Um, the songs as well, they go to another tone. So for me, it's a very different movie. It is. It's but what almost, I like, uh, it almost shouldn't be called Suspiria. Yeah, but what I love the first one is this is something that's not committed with being serious. The colors are really not committed with anything. The colors in the first one, they change like crazy. And yeah. uh, that's fascinating. Like just a lot of colors. When she, there's a car scene right at the beginning, there's a lot of different colors coming and going. That's amazing. So we're going to take a brief break from our conversation with Anita. We'll be back to her in a minute, but we just wanted to uh, break in with a word from our sponsors. Many of the movies we discuss on the show are available at MoviesUnlimited.com. They're the expert on movies since 1978. You're going to find thousands of titles to choose from there. Classics, hard to find titles and new releases too. So support them and be good to yourself. If you go to the Trailers from Hell website, and you click on the Movies Unlimited banner there, it'll take you to Movies Unlimited, uh, Movies That Made Me web page, which will have a page for this episode. It'll have a list of all the movies you talk about. You click on the ones you wanna see, it'll take you to where you can buy them there. You buy them there. If you buy more than $50 worth, it's free. The shipping is free. So go to MoviesUnlimited.com, uh, buy all the movies you can, support them, support us, support movies, and uh, come on, physical media, folks. Streaming, streaming's a dead end. You wake up one day, your entire movie collection's gone. So um, stick with us, stick with MoviesUnlimited.com. And now, back to our conversation with Anita. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Absolutely. Um, and then uh, you also put down, uh, which seems to sort of fit in there, even though it's not a horror film at all, but uh, Virgin Suicides, um, Sofia Coppola's film. Yeah, no, it's a film that I also watched here in the movie theaters. I recall watching and living like, fuck, what happened? Um, my, my first feature talks a little bit about suicide. So it's a film that's very close to my heart uh, because uh, don't offer much explanation about, of course, it's inspired by a book and many things, but uh, I don't know. This is a film that I remember being so moved by the film. That's a, I don't know, maybe the, the age that I watched it. And um, I don't know, it's a film that uh, I like that don't give an answer about why the girls did that. There's some, just some elements. Right. All the acting are amazing. There's also a great visual to this film. And uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a film that uh, I really love, but maybe because of the time in my life that I watched it. But I was super touched when it ended. I was almost, I was crying. I was pretty much what happened. <laughs> Have, have you um explanation, but then it yeah. didn't have an explanation. Have you have you but sort of stayed with her? Are you are you still are you a fan of Sofia Coppola's in general or not so much? Films? I think this yeah. is my I think that's her first feature. I think it's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I, she's interesting to me because she can do a film. I'm trying to the uh oh, somewhere where it's um it's Stephen Dorf, Joe, or it's literally just a movie about a bored movie star walking around the Chateau Marmont for 90 minutes. And, spends a lot uh, of time. In, spends a lot of time in bed too. And in bed, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm riveted by it. And it's it's crazy to me that you can take, especially you know, I'm very much a plot person and structure and all the rest of that. But she can make a movie about someone just doing nothing and yeah. weirdly compelling. You, you know? just wish you were walking around the Chateau Marmont every day. Uh, that's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm fascinated by her. I think she's really really good. Uh, and then no, uh, I'm also no, I'm also a big fan, but. I don't know. As, uh, but that's but, the uh, one. No, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. But maybe, I don't know. And, and being a, a first feature, there's something so fresh about it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was about to say, to go back, is, is Blue Velvet your, your favorite Lynch? But I don't know. You also talked, let's, let's go back to him. And uh, you, um, you have Mulholland Drive on your list. Which, Mulholland uh, Drive is my favorite I think movie. I think Joe likes. I'm not sure. It's what? My favorite movie in the Whoa. world. I watch Every year, once a year, I stop and I watch Mulholland Drive, and I also always think it's amazing. It's not only it's my favorite movie ever. I don't know if I have to pick one, Mulholland Drive. Joe, meet our but, guest. Uh, Joe, Joe loves that movie. I love the movie, and I, I I've seen it many times, and it has not yielded all its mysteries yet. No, I yeah. love Mulholland Drive, and uh, and for me, uh, it's a film that's it was supposed to be a TV show, a pilot, <laughs> then. He, shot the rest and but that i found out later but was a film that in college i analyzed the scripts and i, I found out that, and i and together with a teacher i made this series a very classical script by this and this this symbolism and then it was fuck it was not it was not a, a script like that it wasn't this first part of a tv show and then one year later he shot the rest but i don't know this for me this film is amazing it's a film that really I watch once a year, and I'm always surprised. I always find something that I didn't realize. Right. Um, yeah. No, I, yeah. I love it. I love it. But Joe is particularly. It always it always gives me a chuckle because Joe. Uh, <laughs> you. I mean, you you love that film. Well, it's my favorite Lynch film. You know what can I say? Um, except for the uh, eighth episode of the Twin Peaks revival. Yes. That, yes. that is truly astonishing. 
Have you seen the new Twin Peaks? Not yet. Not oh, yet. the three. It's where you were. Oh, yes, yes. I watched Twin Peaks. Yes, I watched the one in Netflix. That was Netflix. I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, no, uh, yes. No, uh, I like it very much. Yeah. I, something about the fact that, and, and I know some people were being driven crazy by it. They were so frustrated that it wasn't giving them what they wanted. And I, I just kept sitting there, even, even in moments when I was confounded. It's like they gave David Lynch more money than anybody has ever seen in their life to just do whatever he wanted uh, for no, eighteen hours. No, that's no. It was amazing. Uh, and then, of course, I would try to make some sense and get some answers in my mind. I got some answers. What we were talking about, some type of multiverse. But I recall I didn't watch episode. I was watching it was six, and um, I, don't know, I was traveling and watching. And uh, at some point, my phone. As uh, I have a isolation. Uh, phone and it's the battery went down so I was not listening to anything and I thought that okay it's a mute scene and then after <laughs> right. the out saw then I realized oh no that's not intentionally <laughs> but I thought okay it's a whole it's a mute episode episode that is on purpose and I had only someone start to move in their mouth I said oh no that was not his intention it's my phone that broke up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the problem with Lee you can't yes you don't know if is it a technical problem? Or... Yeah. Um, well, that's fantastic. Uh, well, it's, it's something more. I don't want to say earthbound because it's it's not. It's supernatural. But um, um, I mean, compared compared to what you're talking about, these are uh, very very normal film. Uh, you're a, you're a fan of Goodfellas as well. That that one startled me a little bit. Oh, it's a great film, but is it? No, I don't know. It's a very, it's a film that's in a lot of lists, but uh, maybe because I rewatch it. A, a few months ago, and I said, okay, it's still amazing. So, yeah, I, because there is this scene where that's for me, the one of my favorite scenes ever. That's when it's changed the point of view. And then uh, the, I don't know, I forgot the name, his wife. Lauren Bracco. Yeah, she started yeah. talking. And yeah. that's for me, such an amazing cinematic moment. And that scene is so amazing. When you are there, you're following that guy, and then she enters and she gives a monologue. And, and that for me is one of the, and uh, I think it's a scene that's a sequence shot also, and then start her monologue. For me, that's such an amazing scene. It's, a, it's, a, it's such an amazing moment that, uh, I don't know, yeah. that's, that's why the film is there. We love the film, but that moment, I always remind, I don't know, there's something, I don't know, for me, it's a very special mo moment. <laughs> yeah, no, very much so. Because um, he, gets, he gets a lot of, you know, people sort of, chalk him up as a, a very male director and male oriented, but, but he seems to me to be always more interested in um, women characters than a lot of his contemporaries. Well, he did um, make Age of Innocence after all. Age of Innocence <laughs> and Alice doesn't live here anymore. And then, um, and then there's that kind of interesting element about the Irishman where, uh, who's the, you know, the daughter is such a minor character in terms of screen cut screen time, but is such a central character emotionally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really I like that about him because it's not it's not what you expect even if you've seen dozens of his films, yeah, um, and beautifully directed, <laughs> obviously. Uh, how about Get Out? Oh, I love Get Out. Uh, it's a film that I was so surprised when I watched it, and uh, I don't know what I like that I think can relate a little bit to Medusa is a film that's making some social criticism. Mm -hmm. That is also a bit of a horror, but also has some humor into it. Uh, this uh, is some, uh, for me, it's a very special film because it's talk about it's talk about society, but it's a horror. It's a comedy. The characters and the cast they are amazing, 
It's a film that surprises you in all this, every scene is being surprised There's something super fresh. And yeah, I really like being a, it makes some social criticism, but in a very fun way, in a, in a way that you, that you get really involved for. It's a, I don't know, when I, and then I went, I went online and I, I, found, I found out in YouTube the other ending of the film. So I don't know which ending I prefer, this oh. one or the one that was the script ending. Uh, that's a not so optimistic ending, but there's another one that they shot that is in, is in YouTube. You can find that, yeah. Get Out Alternate Ending. I think, didn't we talk about this, Joe? You're a, Joe's a fan of the one they used, I believe, are you not, Joe? Yeah, I think, I think the one they used is probably the one that they should have used. Commercially, anyway. Yeah, commercially, yes. But um, yeah, no, it's great. Were you aware when the film, I mean, you saw it in Brazil, right? I assume. Yeah. Were you, uh, had Key and Peele, like, were you aware of him down there or was it just an American film by a filmmaker you did not know? Yeah, no, I didn't know him until Get Out, come out in the movie theaters and everybody right. was talking about. Uh, and, but I, before that, I, did, I didn't ever heard about his name, at yeah. least there, here in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. And then I was, wow, that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. I think it was even more more surprising here. I really love us as well, but for me, get out was like, oh my god, that's something really amazing being done. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to the new one. But yeah, it was, he was, you know, here we knew him as a comedian or as a sort of sketch comedian. So it was just, it just was such a surprise to make this fantastic horror film. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, and then I, I, at the end, I, I saved this one for last because it's, I think, it's, if not my favorite film, at least one of my top five favorite films. And, and I'm always interested to hear how this guy plays in other cultures. Um, Rear Window. Are you a Hitchcock fan in general or is this a... I was growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. As a, as a, it was a filmmaker that you couldn't find in the VHS stores, like all his films he makes. Someone yeah. like in Brazil, you could watch all the Hitchcock. So, uh, and I don't know, I love, I love movies. So watch all the Hitchcock films. They are very accessible. So I watch everything. I was a big fan. When I was like 12, 13, I was the biggest Hitchcock fan, fan ever. Uh, I was, I didn't know which one to put because I really love Vertigo. But uh, for me, there's something really special about, uh, uh, how to say, it's a very different name in Brazil as well. <laughs> but... I really love this thing about the, po the point of view. Um, I think it was one of the first films to play with this idea of this point of view, the guy there, the binoculars. And uh, in, the in Medusa, I had uh, some scene with the, the binocular that we mm -hmm. and to know how to, and I, I remember when, was when we were in the post-production doing the binocular form, I, I said, we are like, we should do like this and that. And they are doing something, a lot of deformation that was very artificial for me. I said, no, let's get her window. And I, I get I put some prints, prints, just copy this one. This, the, the way he do it's much more easy, much more natural. And um, I don't know, but uh, I, it's, uh, I love the way the story style is very simple. There is this, think about the space and the point of view of who he, what he can watch, what he can watch. And how he, he the framing defines the way he perceives what's happening, and uh, I don't know. It's a, for me, it's an amazing film. But I, I was between this and Vertigo. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm Rear Window. That's that's my that's my winner of those two. But Vertigo is pretty great. The um. And up you... winner. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, this end up winning. This one. Yeah. 
did did you um did you go to film school or were you uh not really uh no? i went to a degree that's very common in brazil called social communication okay because in brazil we have to pick our career before getting to college so when we were 17 we mm -hmm. define our career and then we do a test for this career and when i was 17 i was so lost and uh so uh, for me, it's very difficult to commit to anything. So I went to social communication. That's something that's a bit of right. cinema, a bit of journalism, a bit of publicity. And so uh, did, you, did you study, like so when, when you go out, I mean, did you sort of study certain filmmakers kind of on your own to get a sense of how, like who, yeah, no, who are the I, filmmakers that sort of most, you know, that you would look at again and again to try to learn how to do the job from? Oh, it no, depends. I think in my formative years, uh, Especially in college, there are a lot of the, the French filmmakers like Truffaut Godard that I was watching a lot, Louis Mali. Mm -hmm. Then I, I got a phase that I got really fascinated by Asian filmmakers. Uh, when I watched Millennium Mambo by Hoshoshin, I went crazy. Then I discovered Simon Liang. Then I went crazy with Simon Liang. I have this very, like some years that I went crazy with um, was something that I didn't know before. And then, I don't know, if internet and things were start to be accessible to download in Brazil, so I start watching some filmmakers. And um, in film school, I have uh, this amazing teacher, called Hernani Hefner, that uh, he would bring very different filmmakers for us. One that he introduced to me that I didn't know was Kieslowski, that uh, had a huge impact on me also. But then he, he also was the guy that was taking care of the cinema tech in Rio. So as a, a guy with this enormous uh, culture that he would recommend a lot of titles. And then I, I, I started going to a lot of film clubs to watch mm. films. So that basically people getting together, putting a DVD that someone was able to buy in the US or Europe and watching together and debating the films. Uh, nowadays, I think they don't happen anymore. But at least when I was in college, in high school, college, and a little bit after, it was very common to go to a film club, to watch oh, okay. something together and debate. Because I feel like that kind of died out. That died out here a long time ago. Did you get that yeah, sense? No, in college, me and my friends would put one together. There's also someone that had a cousin that went to the right. US and then bought these and these DVDs and think that we didn't have access in Brazil. So we would real night and watch it together and debate. And uh, yeah, but uh, I'm someone that I'm very passionate about watching films and watching over and over them. Mm. I think that was very important to me. But also, I'm in Brazil. So growing up here, I didn't have access to so right. many things. But there are some great things in the VHS store. <laughs> there was Dave Lynch in the newsstands that I couldn't buy the, exactly. the tape. Oh, well, fantastic. Well, listen, um, Anita, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to us. And uh, <laughs> thank you for making the film, uh, Medusa. It's, it's, um, it is unique. It is, it is fantastic. It is well worth seeing. Um, See it on a big screen. See it on a big screen. Yes, yes, indeed. Again, July 29th uh, in New York at the Angelica and in LA at the Alamo Draft House and, and uh, Lemley. And then I assume wider or streaming or et cetera, et cetera. But, but make a point of seeing this because not everybody, I guess. I guess, Joe, not everybody lives in uh, Los Angeles or New York. They, Apparently. They tell me that's the case. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, um, I'll, I'll take it on faith. But uh, anyway, thank you so much. And really good best of luck with the film. I, I can't wait for people to discover right. it. Thank you. Thank you for watching, for, for having me here. And yeah, and I, I will be some of the screenings now to do a Q&A. Oh, great. Right? Oh, oh, good. All right, okay. travel to the West. So. Wonderful. Well, come on down, see the film, and talk to Anita afterwards. Even better. All right. Thank you, Anita. Thanks.
Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.